0: Welcome along to the Care Team Sessions podcast. This is a podcast of talks from our monthly CPD events. For those that aren't already familiar with us, the West Midlands Care Team is a charity pre-hospital enhanced care team operating in the Birmingham area for over 30 years now. Care Team Sessions CPD events have something for all clinical levels from community responders right through to experienced in-hospital clinicians along with medics from other services like police and fire we want to share the team's knowledge and experience with you so care team sessions is free to attend or to listen back to on this podcast it's also an opportunity to raise money for the charity which would help us to continue to do the work we do if you'd like a cpd certificate for listening to this podcast we ask for a donation of five pounds Details of how to donate and claim your certificate are in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. Search at WM Care Team. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Evening all. What's the first thing you notice about as soon as I open my mouth? Yes, I am from Tipton. Uh, what do you think happens when I'm on the radio and everything's going on? And it's really busy. Anybody now? Yeah, yeah. Say again. Over. Um, because when everything's busy, we always revert to what we know, don't we? And we always revert to what we think without thinking. So, straight away, when the chips are down, my accent becomes really broad and nobody can understand me. Bit of an handicap for a tactical incident commander. Um, we're going to go into why and how of the command and a little bit of a whistle-stop tour of what West Midge does. Uh, we have got a particular system in West Midlands Ambulance of of how we use tactical commanders. So we'll go through that. I do like this to be interactive. If you laugh in the right places and ask lots of questions, it's much better. Um, Operational managers, every hub's got one in so We've got 15 hubs and everyone's got an operational manager. We've got specialist assets and the tactical incident commander. We've got one out on the streets in a car and one in the control room. And it's all part of our major incident preparedness and response. Quite a busy slide and just, just to show you the spans of control of, of what we do. And what's something else you notice about the tactical incident commander? There's lots of things all linking in. Yeah, so you go straight to the tactical command cell, straight to the command group support officers and to the rest of the major incident assets, strategic commander, operational commander. Now, what do you think happens when you try and multitask? Who's good at multitasking here? Anybody? Oh, you're getting pointed at. <laughs> <laughs> so when we multitask, do you think we actually do, it, do those things effectively? If you're thinking about two different things at once? So what we actually do is we flip from one thing to the other. And then we've also got the added cognitive load of having to remember what the first tack was, tack, task was, there's my I'm coming out. What the first task was, and then we go back to the second. We don't multitask very well as humans. We, we can't do it. And that's when you start losing size of what you're trying to do. Operational managers, 15 hubs, and it's 24 seven at each hub. Generally, we always cover the OM's because they're a key part of our response. But 25% of their roles are attributed to incident command. What does that tell you? Where's most of the day spent? Yeah, in the office, managing the hub. Um, Really important, managing the hub, um, and that is their main role. Uh, They are focused on the operational leadership, resourcing, staff management, fleet management, estate management, medicines management, sickness abstraction, disciplinary investigations, a massive list. Only 25%, probably less nowadays, is doing incident command. There's all the lovely people I work with. Um, We've run a team of 10, 24-7, and we've got three resilience ticks that we use. It is quite a comprehensive training programme to qualify. Um, And the reason for that is they hold the command authority from the chief exec. The only person that can take over an incident from the tick is an assistant chief. Um, Otherwise, we get the lot. And that's just the, the basic skill set that we hold. Before you become a tick, um, that is what you need to have done. So it's quite a, a lot. Um, Magic, the uh, multi agency gold incident command, multi agency strategic course. Um, we also do the Nilo course as well. CBRN, because we've got to be aware of all the specialist assets the trust has because we're the ones responsible for deploying them and the safety that comes, comes with that. With the command authority also comes the responsibility for safety on scene. And that's just an example of the specialist assets that we have. It's very busy, isn't it? So this is enhanced care team lecture. How many enhanced care teams on daily? Throughout the region, generally? Two or three. At least two or three, yeah. So, you've got three aircraft, care, mouse days, merit, <clears throat> basics responders. So, for one patient, how many ECT assets will normally come, depending on the job? Okay. Sometimes two. If it's merit who carry everything, generally, it'll be one. But if there's a CCP nearer, we'll send them. And then if Merit have just used the blood on another patient, we'll send another ECT with blood. And then if it's a C1, we'll send two crews. And then the AWM will go as well. And then there might be another crew rendering aid. So how many vehicles is that? Yeah, yeah you start losing count, I mean, That's just for one patient. So quickly you can see our incident starts spiralling unless you get early command and control you can start losing command of that sea. and um, we've got the on-call stuff as well the ceo is on call all the time uh, ops nilo and that is the dedicated specialist nilo for, Um basically they deal with emergency preparedness anything security related counter-terror related um, and they do all the behind the scenes intelligence. They do a lot of work that you won't ever see um, and they all feed back into the tactical command cell. Um, we've got an on-call tick, so the team of 10, two of us are on-call as well at any one time. Um, and also we've got the on-call TAC commanders, the, the normally the senior operations managers from each hub. So you can see we have got a lot of backup available for the bigger incidents. We are a regional response. That causes problems sometimes. The biggest journey I've ever had was Worcester to Oswestry. It was an hour and 20 minutes on lights. I was a bit bored at the end of it. Um, And even with that, it's things like interoperability channels. So with the airwave system, we can jump on police channels and we can set up remote command channels on the way. And that's something we do uh, regularly to talk with our colleagues in the police. Um, And it's all about the early implementation of the command structure at significant incidents and the major incident procedures, smaller incidents. That's what we do and then we embed it into the organisational learning for the bigger things. If we're all used to doing it, uh, and that's why we'll nominate a parking officer at most incidents if it requires more than one OM. It's easy to get out of an incident when it's really busy. He's terrible, isn't he? What's the first thing every crew does when they get to a scene? They park as close as possible to the incident. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? You wanna get to that patient, you wanna sort them out. Who remembers getting out again? I can tell you it's not many. And the pastoral function. Uh, A big part of our role is looking after staff. They're our biggest assets um, and we like to look after them. So the initial contact, serious staff welfare issues and supporting the OMS as well. The OMS do a lot of nasty jobs. As soon as there's an awful job going on near the hub, the OMS is going to go. And that's what we do. We support the OMS at at incidents like that. Uh, And we've got peer support in our own group for it. Um, And we support the duty managers in the emergency operations centres as well. Major incident preparedness. So, there was something that happened a few years back, Manchester, um, which again has in a step change. Now, we always say this with incidents we never train for the incident we're going to have, do we? We train for the incident we've had. So, all the focus at the moment is on Manchester, because it's the last big attack that happened on UK soil. All our training is geared towards a Manchester type incident. We don't know if it's gonna be that, do we? And that's the problem we have. We never know what we're gonna get. Um, and that's why we do all this. We keep on top of the visits, key sites, um, and the multi-agency network, um, exercises, and the regional Marauding Terror Attack Working Group. That is one of our big focuses because it's one of our biggest threats that's probably going to end up with the biggest casualty load um which is why we focus on it and we try and embed that into the organizational learning so that's what you get for a standby and a declared so if we just count them vehicles up quick back of a fag packet how big an area do we need for all them it's huge isn't it absolutely huge um, some of the incidents I've been involved with over the years, I did Alton Towers. Uh, I've been to um, Salisbury when the Novichok attack occurred uh, on a mutual aid. Uh, remember Hawkswood Metal Recycling when the war collapsed on them five people. Um, I was there as Nilo, an and I was also a tactical commander for the uh, Birmingham stabbings where seven people were attacked in Birmingham, one unfortunately died. I think Care were heavily involved in that as well. Um, they take a lot of space. Uh, for the Birmingham Stabbins we used Belgrave Middleway and we just stacked the vehicles down there. Um, and we got 27, very quickly. 17, 27, uh, 27 vehicles down Belgrave Middleway within 45 minutes, which you wouldn't think we could, but actually all we do is we, we clear all the crews on brakes. We'll straight away, that's gonna give you about 30, 40 vehicles. So all of a sudden you think 50 vehicles, it ain't so far off, is it? But if you look at all that, and that requires a lot of staff to manage. So 12 operational commanders. How many have we got on duty? 15, yeah. So straight away, we're only gonna have three left in the whole region for any other jobs. How many jobs we got in the stack at the moment? Anybody know? It's loads in it? loads and loads. So we've also got to look at business as usual. Um, We can't just stop responding to patients. So we've got to think of them as well, which is why we do the mutual aid and we'll call in other trusts to come into the region. And they work on cells. So we'll ask for so many cells from other trusts. So That's 10 ambulances and one officer and that'll come in as external mutual aid. I need a volunteer. Somebody I've never met. Come on, don't be shy. Yay. Okay, what's your name? Kate. Hi Kate, I'm John. Nice to meet you. And you? Have you got pen pen and paper? No. No. Hang on. I have.
0: That's
1: good. Okay, can you write these numbers down for me, Kate? Yeah. I'm
0: nervous now. Can you all look
1: away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't look at Kate. I
0: can't even write the pen. <laughs> That's all right, see?
1: So you've lost your cognitive ability, Kate. People are watching you. Okay, could you write this down for me? 07, 08, 06, 49, 07, 80. Got a banking app. Could you transfer me a tenner? No? Oh, okay. Oh, see so what we've just done. Thanks, Kate. Sorry no, for picking on you. Okay. So what's just happened there? Have I ever met Kate? Now, was that a little bit awkward? It was a little bit awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, why was it awkward? Exactly, we've never met. What did Kate say? I can't even work the pen. Yeah, a little microcosm of, of what's happened in, in incident has just happened to Kate, hasn't it? Yeah, all of a sudden everybody's looking at the pressure's on, and she couldn't even work the pen. I'm sure you could. It was. yeah, I always find twisting things open difficult. <laughs> um, and as well, when you think about it, I've never met Kate, but suddenly Kate's the fire commander, and we have a major incident, what have I got to do with Kate? I've got to communicate. Is it difficult with people you've never, ever met? It is, isn't it? So I've never met somebody from the police. I've never met somebody from the fire service. And all of a sudden, we've got to be bezies and manage the worst incident of our careers. And we've got to do it really well or people die. (laughs) And then we wonder why it goes wrong. When you look at it all that, it's obvious why it goes wrong, isn't it? Because it takes a lot of practice to overcome the the initial awkwardness, uh, the initial, mm, I don't know this person. And we're going to negotiate things that actually they might want something I might not want to give you them. So I asked Kate for a tenner and what did you say? No chance. (laughs) Now, parking, I've mentioned it before. What do Forest Service generally do to protect the sea? They block the road for safety, don't they? Because that's their standard operating procedure. We block the road, stop the traffic, keep the staff safe. And then our ambulances can't get out. So our fundamental job of taking people to hospital, we can't do it. Yeah, so straight away, that fire officer ain't gonna wanna move them trucks. There's hoses coming out of them. Them pumping water onto a big fire. For him to move them trucks is gonna be an absolute nightmare now. But then I've gotta say, oh, sorry, I need you to move them. The police staffing all the cordons. Yeah, I need people moving through them cordons really quick. I need the old road system for my ambulance loop. I need a massive marshalling area and I want everybody else out of it. And if I say that to the duty force incident manager, or can I just have 20 police officers to just sort my ambulance loop out? he ain't got 20 officers. <laughs> so you see that negotiation that immediately starts is someone you don't even know. And that's why it's difficult. Don't just asking strangers for money either. It doesn't go well. <laughs> Some really simple things we can do though. The Jesse website has got all this on. Now in my pockets, I've got my go-to stuff. So one of them's my torch. Have you ever heard anybody say, I wish I hadn't had that torch on my belt? (laughs) Nobody's ever said that. And also, I've got my pocket notebook. That's got my account number and sort code in now. Yeah, and that's full of useful information from incidents, so I can write my log up later. And another thing that I always keep in my pocket he is yeah it's the Jessup wheel and the principles and if you look at these principles they sound quite easy don't they when you look at it co-locate anybody been on scene at an rtc first how difficult is it to try and get the police commander yeah their command systems run completely different to ours We know who our commander is, because generally if it's a big job, you've got an operational manager in a tabard. They don't issue tabards to sergeants or PCs. So it's really difficult to identify the commander, isn't it? So co-location immediately is difficult. Communication, language is clear, free from technical jargon and abbreviations. We love our jargon, don't we? Coordination, agree the lead organisation. Priorities, resources, capabilities, limitations for an effective response, timings of further meetings. And here's a really difficult one, jointly understanding the risk. So when I say jointly understand risk, what do I mean? Has everybody got the same risk picture? So if I say it's a big fire, it's a tower block, now, that's what fire do. That's their bread and butter. Is our risk appetite for going into that building going to be different to fires? Completely and utterly different. And likewise with the police, is the risk of me putting staff in a hot zone different to police putting armed police officers in a hot zone? It's completely different risks, isn't it? And unless we get together and try and work a way around that quickly. So if somebody's been shot, How long have we got to sort this out? (coughs) Don't long at all, is it? In fact, if we take words, we might as well not bother because the P1s will all either be all right or they won't. Um, All that leads to the shared situational awareness. So if we go back to Manchester, what were they lacking in that shared situational awareness? Fire i have got no situational awareness because they weren't on scene getting the information um, and their information cascade completely failed, unfortunately. So, all the incidents I've ever done, and it's funny how you look at them, if you start with a good methane, for some reason they always go well, most of the time. It's not a golden rule, but what does the methane do So remember at the start when I said, when the chips are down, we all go into what we know, yeah? So before you do a pre-hospital anesthesia, what do you do? Exactly, yeah, checklist. No, it's now different in command using a checklist. Um, And that is, your checklist is the methane, and this, and your Jessup wheel. There's a reason I've got it in my pocket, and that's because when it's really exciting on scene, I forget it. And I know I do, because I've done it long enough. And it just goes out of my head. I know the way I work, because I've been doing it so long. So I'll get that out to deliberately remind myself. Action cards. Put your hand up if you've read the major incident plan. gee <laughs> <D. laughs> <laughs> So in the public inquiry, when the council's asking you if you've read the document on major incident response that your service produces every two years, that's gonna be the main document that you go to, I hope it's the three that put their hands up. (laughs) Yeah, now ain't the time to read it. Um, Always read that before the incident. If you don't, and I'm a realist, some people don't, get your action card out. Whatever role you're fulfilling, get your action card out. And the action card will give you a step-by-step checklist. And again, if it's a big incident and there's lots going on, I'll get the action card out and I'll go through the action card. Um, Some people say spin the wheel. Have you heard that term before? Jessip spin the wheel? Um, I've heard some people say that. um, And I've got a colleague who's actually head of emergency preparedness now for Northwest. She hates spin the wheel. Um, It is something you continually go through. Um, And actually, if, if something changes, you can do it again. Now, if you imagine your cardiac arrest, your standard cardiac arrest, what are you doing? It's exactly the same, isn't it? So, it's a very generic model for anything, for any clinical decision you make, for any command decision you make. It's a really good thing to go through and make sure you've covered all the bases. Even leaving somebody at home, you know, if it's a particularly complex case, if you go through that, and again in the centre, working together, saving lives, reducing harm, which is the Jessup principles. Anybody know where Jessup come about? Um, it was generally after 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, and all the reviews that happened said, we, as emergency services, we worked together terribly. And I've, I've already gone through why. Because actually it's really difficult for a flash team to get together and resolve something quickly, isn't it? Um, if you get to another hub on a cardiac arrest and a crew come in that you don't know, is it more difficult than a crew that you're really familiar with and friends with? Yeah, you've got to get out of the initial politeness and how, oh, hi, hi. <laughs> my name's John. Um, and that's why it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to do introductions when, uh, when there's people being stabbed uh, and you've got to act quick. You still should though, politeness costs nothing. Back to the methane. So you can adapt this. You haven't got to put the M in. And especially don't say it on the radio because it makes everybody jittery. Unless it is one, then definitely say it. Um, who can declare a major incident? Anyone. Yeah, you're right. Is there a consequence for declaring a major incident? Is there? No, you don't get the sack. There is a consequence, but it's not for us. So, any hospital-based colleagues here? I'm sure there is. Hands up if you're hospital-based. Yeah. If the ambulance service says, oh, we've declared a major incident, what do you do to your (laughs) theatres? Off you go, cancel all electives, all the people that you're about to put to sleep go home. You start looking for discharges. So, are there patient harms that could occur if we declare a major incident? Absolutely. So, just for that reason alone, just bear in mind, if you think you need to call it, absolutely call a major incident, but it does come. Um, The ambulance service is the the tip of the spear, really, for the whole health economy, isn't it? Um, And the hospitals in Manchester, particularly, uh, they were operating at major incident levels for months after because the amount of um, secondary operations they had to do on all the victims. Is anybody that works in the Manchester hospital system here? Now, from what I hear, it was months and months of work for them uh, that that went on. For the ambulance service, generally, we've got a lot of debriefing and resupply to do. But once all the patients are left seen, um, we can generally, generally relax. That's not so for the rest of the health economy. So major incident declarations do have a big effect down the line. Um, Standby, major incident standby, is that an option? Yeah. Um, We've had it once, that was for the Birmingham stabbings in the five years I've been doing this role, um, and we've declared major incident standby once. That was because we weren't sure how many more victims there would be and if the perpetrator was still there or not. As it happened, he got a taxi on for the second time. The mind boggles. Um, but um, thankfully, uh, there were only seven victims. Um, but standby is absolutely an option. Um, and you only get 25 DCAs instead of 50. Who can rescind a major incident for the ambulance service? Who can stand us down. Nope, not me, other than that. There's only the strategic commander that can rescind the major incident. And they will only do so after a full assessment at seed and probably a tactical plan that's in their hands, that's written by us. Um, E, exact location. Anybody use what three words? Really good tool if you're out in the sticks. If you're on the Bristol road, just use the Bristol road. (laughs) Um, Because if you misspell it, you end up in Ontario or something. It's a bit awkward then, It's three and a half thousand miles away. (laughs) Um, So mapping systems, what three words? We can interpret OS grid codes in control, latitudes, longitudes. Um, The easiest thing to do is just use um, street, um, corners, junctions, house numbers. Don't say as per the CAD. Because some of the people responding ain't gonna have a CAD in their vehicle. They're just gonna have a leased car. And if you say as per the CAD, if I'm on call, I'll be driving there thinking. So I need something I could put in a sat-nav. <laughs> so the exact location. And T, type of incident, what is it? So. CBRN, is it an asthma incident, is it an RTC Um, and that's really important why is that important the type of incident it makes sure the right resource is going to be on the way isn't it so as soon as you give that T the type of incident if it's a CBRN incident for example you'll immediately have the duty heart team come out and straight away in control, the tactical command cell commander will be on to the rest of the colleagues in the police and fire on a secure chat group, notifying them that there's a CBR incident going on. And all that background stuff will happen within the first few minutes of the incident, just to make sure that support's on the way. Hazards speak to itself. Any hazards? Uphill, upwind from any chemicals, um, RTC, sharp edges access so remember what i said about the number of vehicles coming yeah now if it is a major incident declared and you look at your access it's really difficult to get 50 DCIs there mouse streets isn't it so we're gonna to have to start thinking wider and marshalling areas but generally for your small rtc's you're looking at the best access through side streets junctions and again that's something you might have to repeat on the radio because subsequent crews might not have the access instructions on the MDT, so you might be asked again. N, number of casualties. Not just number, so triage, P1, P2, P3, so that makes a big difference. Um, So you remember Alton Towers when the, the roller coaster crashed, so, did we do an initial round of triage? The answer is no. <laughs> what we did, because the four at the front looked so injured, is they got categorized as priority one. And everybody else in that roller coaster got categorized as a P3. So we, that's why we ended up with four aircraft to it, because we thought there were four P1s. Um, and we'll always send an enhanced care team to each P1 if we can. So we sent four aircraft. As it happened, we got two P1s, two P2s, three P2s, and the rest were P3s, But when we eventually got them down. Um, and one of them actually had a lacerated liver in the back, so it was a fairly big impact. Um, that's really important, because actually, how many aircraft have we got on duty in the region? So five max, yeah. Sometimes they're out for EMAS, so we got less. So if I take four offline for one incident, how many have I got then? Yeah, you see how we start running out of resource really quick if you have a resource? And the tactical commander ain't just responsible for that incident, we're responsible for the whole train set. Uh, and actually, if another incident comes up, we've got to do multiple resource. Um, and it's typical with things like heart, The times they get two or three jobs at the same time. They can sit on station for two days and nothing happens. And then all of a sudden, everybody gets injured in a hazardous area at once. Nature of the game. Um, And finally to emergency services. Who's there? Do you need the police? Do you need fire? What sort of fire do you need? Is it an RTC? Is it on fire? So that's a more detailed, that gives us everything we need to know to carry on with that incident and put the resource in right immediately. And all you've got to do is give us that. Is there anything you can do before you give a methane now? Windscreen report, yeah, brilliant. So what is a windscreen report? Yeah, say what you see. Like catch fears, oh my accent's gone. <laughs> I shouldn't do accents with my accent, should I? (laughs) Always sounds a bit wrong. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, windscreen report. So, can we get a lot of information if you pull up at a tower block and you say, there's an active fire, I can see it out the 10th story, and there's people running out the block of flats. Mm -hmm. Now that takes seconds. Now, what's that tell me as the tactical incident commander? There's There's a big fire. It's coming out the flat and it's probably going to be really busy. Yeah, and I've got to send a lot of resource. Alternatively, if you pull up to a block of flats and you go, well, fire services just, you know, look quite relaxed, I can't see any smoke. What is it probably? Yeah, Yeah, probably burnt toast. So again, the difference is just that little windscreen report, I could take heart offline responding. I'll have the tack on call, I'll have the nilo, the ticks going, the on-call ticks going, um, I might even send five DCA's if I think there's loads and loads of patients. And how many jobs are in the stack? 200. Well, five of them patients ain't getting ambulance because they're going to the flats when actually it's burnt toast. <laughs> and that's really important to keep in mind. The only link we've got to that incident initially is the first person on scene. Nobody else is gonna give us that information. And the public are notoriously bad at passing information back. I recommend you ring them sometimes to ask them some information on a call. Um, That's the end of the presentation itself. Thank you.
0: That's it for this Care Team Sessions podcast. You'll find information on how to get your CPD certificate in the podcast description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also follow us on social media at WM Care Team. Thanks for listening.